1 Samuel, everyone. If you would open your Bible and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. I saw on the TV this past week, I think it was Target, but they were advertising for back to, the, back to school shopping. I got so irritated because <laughs> I, I, in my heart I said, well, I'm not done with my, Chris, uh, my, uh, my uh, summer break, Christmas break. I'm not done with my summer break. Leave me alone. Don't start pushing back to school on me. Let me enjoy my summer break. But then I realized, wait a minute, <laughs> school's going to be starting very soon and it's going to be starting for us too. So I thought, well, Karen, we better get our, we better get our push back, our back to school. In fact, Karen just sent packets out last week to all of our, our parents of the students that are coming back to school and the supplies that they're going to need. It is amazing. Today is our back-to-school push, if you will. We call it the power of one. It was just a few years ago, I met with our board, and we were tossing around the idea and the, the plan of what we would need to do to possibly close our school if things didn't turn around for us. And it was one of the saddest board meetings, I think, that I have led. Because I believe so strongly in La Palma Christian School. This is my promo of it. I tried to dress it up a little, but it's still jeans and a t-shirt. I hope you're not too offended by that. I believe in this school. My children have come through this school. My children are currently enrolled in this school. And I've seen great fruit firsthand as a result of La Palma Christian School. So my heart was sad to even allow myself to think about the school possibly closing. I came to the, the board and I said, let, let me do something that I haven't done before. And I threw out a crazy notion. You see, when I became the lead pastor of this church, I also inherited being the principal of the school, which is wonderful but I didn't have any training to be a principal of the school. I didn't really know what I was doing, and I had a full plate trying to pastor you folk. That's full time. How many of y'all believe that's full time? Well, it is. Never mind that there's the preschool as well, which is a separate animal, if you will, separate entity. And so it was, it was quite the juggling act, and I really wasn't very good at it. So I said, I think, Floyd, you might have been serving at that time. I said, let me, let me do something that we've never done here at, at, at the church for the school. Let me hire a full-time director. And, and this person will kind of serve as the principal and just give full-time attention to the school. And then we'll see what happens. And then if we have to close, we can say with a clear conscience We've done everything that we possibly could do. And I just happened to have what I thought would be a really, really good director in mind. And I talked to them about Karen coming, my wife Karen coming, and, and, and she was teaching at the time, and it just made sense to me. It felt right to both of us. And they said, well, what do you think about her 
working with you and you being her boss. I said, well, she'll be my boss at home and I'll be her boss at work and we'll, it'll all balance out. Honestly, Karen and I have worked together for many, many years and it, it does work for us. They let me hire Karen and with her leadership and um, the help of many, many others, the teachers and, and Jolene working in the preschool, things turned around gloriously. And not only did our school live, it thrives today. We broke a record last year with enrollment, the highest enrollment ever, this current school year, and we're looking to break the record again for the next school year. Somebody give God praise today. So Karen, I want you to come. Karen's going to come and just talk briefly about the school and how you can, at the conclusion of this sermon today, you can plant seed in this great school and reap a glorious harvest. So let's just talk to the people a little bit about what's going on. You know, um, I love La Palma Christian School. It is what I am called to do. And it didn't just begin uh, with Steve asking for me to be the director. It started years and years ago when Jolene took a chance and let me close in the preschool. I worked three to six. Then I moved into the cafeteria and I cooked. And then I became the computer teacher. And then I became the sixth grade teacher. And um, it, it's been amazing. And then when I, uh, they asked me to become the director, I, I was so excited because uh, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like investing in elementary, junior high, and high school students. And uh, we get them, our kids, we get them for more hours in a day during the week than their families do. And uh, I, I couldn't do it without Jolene, for sure. Uh, she, she keeps me going, and uh, we kind of feed into each other. And I, absolutely, I want you to know that the school is at its highest attendance because Jolene and her preschool teachers have been so effective that the pre-K class just automatically now becomes our kindergarten class. And very few children leave, leave us. And so it is most assuredly a team effort. This past week, though, I received two emails from ASCI, ACSI, sorry, um, letting me know of two school closures. And uh, it's becoming more commonplace. And the reason we received the emails is because everybody's trying to sell their stuff. There's supplies to be had. And uh, it just grieved me because I knew that this service was coming and I know what is ahead for next year. We have 97 students on the books uh, ready to come to school and that's the highest we've ever had before. And the potential is great. But of those 97 students, 12 of them will not be able to return unless they receive financial aid, the scholarship that we offer. And the only way that I can offer a scholarship to these students is if you all help and if God lays it on your heart to become a part of the Power of One. The Power of One scholarship has been in effect now for 
four years. And it has just, it's changed children's lives. I told the first service, I just wish you could, wish you could come to campus one day and just see the lives that are being affected and changed. And um, I didn't tell first service this, but I want to let you know this. Two weeks ago, I had um, a visit from my junior high and high school representative. The schools are um, represented by two different facilities. And uh, he came to visit me to make sure everything is in order because when you have a high school, there's a lot more recording that has to be done. And uh, all this time, I've been trying uh, to become a quality status school, which is a big deal to be a quality status school. It has to do with your transcripts, and it validates you. And uh, he looked through my records and informed me that not only is La Palma Christian School a quality status school, I have one more requirement, and La Palma Christian School will be a model status school, and that's the highest that you can be. So I I was blown away because God has enabled us and the teachers to make such a difference. I got to brag, this school year, we have two seniors, our first graduating class. You know, I'm so excited when I see my sixth graders uh, that I taught graduate. You know, I've had two of my sixth grade classes graduate and uh, from public school, and, and I'm so proud. But this year, I have two, John Fry and Elliot, who are graduating from art school. And uh, I, I got to brag just a little bit more. Their state testing came in, John and Elliot's, and... Um, they were 100% in every category. Post high school, uh, my, my, the guy in charge of our high school was just amazed, amazed at what is happening. And uh, that is all the way through. Um, I don't mean to be so, so emotional. I wasn't this morning, but the burden is so heavy on me to see this school thrive. And you know, I'm just, uh, we could be just a step away from the enemy coming in and stealing what we have. And we have such an incredible, incredible mission field here. here. Um, you're going to see in a few minutes some of the faces of La Palma Christian Center. Amazing kids. Some of them are our own kids. The majority of them from the community. And... Um, fall in love with them and know that a lot of the kids that you'll see on this video are the ones that need, need our help. This year is a great, great year because for the first time, my teaching staff is completely La Palma Christian Center uh, teachers. I have everybody on staff that belongs to this, this church. I'd like my teachers to stand up real quick so I can introduce them to you before I turn it back over to Steve. In the front, I have Jackie Johnson. She's going to teach kindergarten for me this year. And just as of last week, because of class numbers, I've had to separate a class. And Mrs. Jacob is now our current fifth grade teacher. Classes become too large, and so then you have to separate them. Mr. Mike is our high school teacher. 
teaches all of our high school. Miss Parrish has jumped from the preschool over to elementary, and she is also a kindergarten teacher. Mrs. Lutz is our first grade teacher. Mrs. Anya is our junior high teacher. Pray especially for her with 17 junior high students. <laughs> it's going to be a good year. And Mrs. Edwards is our second grade teacher. Great staff, great staff. Oh, and well, of course, Mrs. Alleman uh, is busy raising two future students, but she's at home and she is our current uh, third and fourth grade teacher. So um, it's going to be a great year. Great year. Thank you, teachers. Watch this.
I don't know of a greater soil that we plant in, Karen and I. I'm not asking you to do something that we're not doing. I'm asking you to follow the leader today. I don't know of any soil, Karen, that you and I plant in that produces better fruit and more fruit than La Palma Christian School. And I'm all about planting seed around the world. We do it every month. And many of you ensure that we're able to do that because you give to our missions program. And I believe in planting in foreign soil, but I also believe, Cora, we ought to plant some seed in our own yard. And watch it every day and tend to it and garden it every day. First Samuel chapter 3, everyone. Get your Bible and go with me today. I've been praying about this service for some time and I felt the Lord lead me to this passage of Scripture in First Samuel chapter 3 concerning the power of one. The power of one... We're going to look at Samuel today. Samuel the boy. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 3, 1 Samuel. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Eli is the priest at this time. He is God's mouthpiece, God's spokesman. And the word of the Lord, listen to this, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and Samuel answered and said, Here I am. Somebody say, Here I am. There, is, there are three good words that you should say to God on a very regular basis. Here I am. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? Samuel said, here I am. And so he gets up out of bed and he runs to Eli, the priest, and he said, here I am. You called me. Eli says, I did not call you. Go lie down. So Samuel goes and lies down again. Verse 6, the Lord called yet again. Let me just interject and see how many are glad that God continues to call you. It's not just a one-time call. God calls you again, and He calls you again, and He calls you again. Come on, is anybody glad for the call of God that is more than just one time? Hallelujah! Thank you, God, that you call us again. The Lord called yet again, and He said, Samuel, let me also interject right here. God knows your name too. Just as He knew Samuel's name, He called him more than once. He knows your name and expect him to call you more than once. Hallelujah. Let me preach on. So Samuel arose and he goes back into Eli's room, the priest, and he says, well, here I am again. You called me. Eli says, I didn't call you, my son. Go lie down. Now, Samuel did not know the Lord or or did not know the word of the Lord. The, The word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him. In other words, he wasn't familiar with God speaking to him let alone God speaking audibly to him. So that's really what that's talking about. The Lord called Samuel, watch this, a third time. So 
He gets out of bed. He goes to Eli. He says, here I am again, for you called me. Eli then perceives that the Lord might be in this. I mean, you know, sometimes preachers are slow too. Be patient with us, right, Pastor Dave? We don't always get it on the first time, do we? Sometimes God has to talk to us again and again, and finally the light bulb goes on for us. Eli says, hey, I think God is in this. Eli perceives that the Lord is the one who called the boy. Therefore, Eli says to Samuel, verse 9, Go lie down, and it shall be that if he calls you again, you are to say, Speak, Lord. Somebody say, Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went, and he lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood this time and called, as at other times, and he called him twice, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Father, we thank you for your word now, and we ask that you speak. Speak because we're here to... To listen. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Come on, somebody, pray this. Speak, Lord. For your servant hears. Come on, say it one more time. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Have your way, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Samuel, wow, what a great study. Very possibly one of the greatest prophets recorded in the Old Testament. Samuel, anointed by God. Samuel, used powerfully by God. Samuel, the voice and the mouthpiece for God. I think his life is a great example of the power of one. The scripture clearly shows a path that led to the great success of Samuel. Follow with me on this path. It starts with the right environment. Write this down. Number one, the right environment. The success of Samuel can be traced back to a a right beginning. A right beginning because of the right environment. Folks, if you're in the wrong environment for very long, do you know what's going to happen to you? That environment very possibly, very probably is going to change who you are. It happens all the time. But if you're in the right environment, come on somebody, you have the great potential of that right environment changing you for the good. It's not a guarantee, however, But there's great potential and great possibility that if in the right environment, you'll be on to the right, the the next right steps. Samuel ended up in the right environment because of his mother, Hannah. What a great, great study that alone is, the life of this great mother, Hannah. This speaks to the power of one parent. There's several folks that we are going to highlight the power of one. The right environment speaks to the power of one parent, one mother who was determined. There's a few things that 
that really jumped out about Hannah. I don't want to preach another sermon about, about Hannah, but uh, there's a few things that you need to note. Let, let's look at her devotion, first of all. Here was a woman of God that was devoted to God, who loved God. She loved the Lord. The Bible tells us clearly that she prayed to the Lord. Scripture records her praying, but nobody hearing what she's praying. You can look at this later. But Cora, her mouth was moving, but nobody was hearing her words, and so they thought she'd been, been sipping the, the cooking wine maybe or something. I don't know. They thought she was drunk because she's just... Her mouth's moving. She's praying, but it's more in her heart, and no words are actually heard. And so they thought she was drunk, so we know she was a woman of prayer. She, we know that she loved the Lord. She vowed to the Lord. Now, listen to me for a moment. Vowing to God is a very serious matter. It's not like a promise. You know how we say, I promise you, and then we don't keep our promise? I mean, mankind, human beings. But if you pinky promise, boy, then you're really held to the fire on that. A vow to God is like a pinky promise on steroids. Only it's even more serious than that. If you don't intend to keep a vow to God, I encourage you, don't make it in the first place. You know, I bring, I bring brides and, and grooms to this very place of our sanctuary many times throughout the year for holy matrimony. And we get to a point of the service where they will exchange vows. One of the most serious exchange of words that a man and a woman can have. I think of Matt and Laura here. You had that baby yet? All right. Any day. Maybe today's your day. I prayed for Lori last week too, but I got, to, I got to marry this great couple over here. And they exchange words, but they're more than words. They're vows before God. I'm talking to you about a mother who loved God so much. She was so devoted to God that she would vow to God. We've lost that somewhere along the way. Vowing to God. God, I vow to you thus and so. This speaks highly to me of the devotion of this parent and the power of this parent. She was devoted even though she had a dilemma. Look closely at the dilemma of this mother. She was barren. Verse number 6 of chapter 1, the Lord, it says, had closed her womb. She wanted so desperately to have a baby. Others were having babies. Even her sister wife was having babies. And yet, year after year, she could not conceive. She could not bear a child. But God, it says, was in the closure of her womb. Because you see, it wasn't, it wasn't time, was it? Just wait on God. Just wait on God's hand. Just wait on God's timing. Just because you haven't had that baby yet, this is for men and women, by the way. I'm talking about some spiritual birthing. I'm talking about God birthing something new in men and women. Just because it hasn't come to fruition yet doesn't mean that God's not in it and God's not going to do it on some day. You're barren for now. It's not the right timing. 
Her dilemma was she was barren. Her dilemma was she was battered. It wasn't bad enough that she couldn't have a baby. Her sister wife, Penina, she's, she's egging it on. She's battering her. She's flaunting the fact that she can have a baby and you can't. That's just cruel right there. She would provoke. The Bible says she would provoke Hannah. But what did Hannah do? Hannah stayed determined. I want to just look at these four things. Her devotion, her dilemma, her determination. She was determined that no matter what, she was still going to serve God. No matter what, she was going to praise God. No matter what, she was going to bless God. She was going to worship God. We need to get a determination in our spirits, church. Things don't always go our way. Things don't always unfold like we want and like we thought. But God is still God. Help me, somebody. He's still on the throne and He's still able to make a way for us if we'll just wait on Him and if we'll just trust in Him. Get yourself a determination in you. She just kept on praying. She kept on believing. Finally, look at her devotion or her, her dedication. She was dedicated. And she dedicated her son, to God. Now get this. She did not know if she would have another child. She knew that she wasn't able to have a child and she prayed and prayed and prayed and then God allowed her to have a child and so she decided, I'm going to dedicate this child to God. Only when she said dedicate to God, she meant it on a whole nother level, didn't she? Because the Bible tells us that after Samuel was weaned, I don't know how long that is, but however long that is, it's only months. It's not very long. That's all that she got to have, that baby, in her home and in her arms was through the weaning process. Then they went annually to worship God. And this particular time, she decided, I'm going to leave him. The Bible tells us, that she dedicated him. Bring up verse 28 of chapter 1. I also, I like how she said it though. She says, I've lent him to God. You know, I guess maybe that's how she kept attached to him. She's going to leave him there and dedicate him to God. But she's saying, I'm going to let you borrow him, God. I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And then they worship the Lord there together. That is so powerful. You know what God did because of her dedication to Him? God blessed her back. Good measure pressed down and shaken together. Verse number 21 of chapter 2 tells us that God allowed her to bear three more sons and two daughters. Aren't you glad that God can just pour it back on us if we'll just give to God what we have to God and give God your best? God blessed her. God caused her to be fruitful. Samuel was raised in the house of God. What a great environment. Spirit-filled, godly environment. And I believe Samuel's success can be traced back to this right environment. Being in the right environment leads to the right education. Number two, and I want you to jot it down, what is the key to Samuel's success? It started in the right environment. It, it, it went on to the right education. 
Samuel received what I believe to be the very best education because it was every day. It was day in and it was day out. This speaks to the power of one priest. Now I want us to look a little bit at the life of Eli, the priest in that day, the the mouthpiece for God. Samuel received the right education because he was taught by godly people. Be careful who you let speak into your life. You shouldn't just let anybody and everybody speak into your life. If I were you, I would guard your heart and your ears and watch very carefully and monitor very carefully who you let speak into your life and let me take it to another level. You better really be on guard when it comes to your children. You should not let just anybody and everybody have an audience and have a platform to speak into the life of your children. Because you never know what they're going to be hearing, do you? And the wrong education is disastrous. We let our children go. They, they grow up. They go, through, they go through elementary. They go through junior high. They go through high school. And we let them go. And they land in secular colleges. Nobody wants to hear this. And these worldly, new age professors and teachers... Pour into our children garbage. But they're the professors. They have, they have degrees, many degrees. They've, they've got doctorates. Some of them can't even get hired unless they have a doctorate. And so we listen and we hear this and we receive this. It's deadly. The right education from the right person Godly people. Here's Eli, God's appointed man. Now, Eli's got his set of issues, believe me. We'll, we'll just touch on it briefly later. But, but he, he's, nonetheless, he is God's man for the hour. And God uses him greatly. He's the priest. God uses him. But not just Eli. Eli's got up-and-coming priest uh, uh, interns, maybe, that he's working with, right? Apprentices. He's got staff. And so Samuel's receiving the very best education from godly people, Eli and his team, uh, taught godly principles, proper doctrine, proper worship. This is essential, folks, that we receive the proper principles, the godly principles. You know, we allow students to come here that aren't necessarily Christian. And some, some uh, are confused by this. You see, there's, there's many schools that won't allow it. You have to be Christian to bring your child to their school. But our, our philosophy is they're going to receive the Word of God every day. They're going to receive prayer every day in Jesus' name. They're going to find out who Jesus really is and His life and, and what He can do for them now. And I believe it's the right environment, the right education, godly teachers teaching godly principles, and it's working. It's working. It's working every day. And they're taught godly practices, just as Samuel was. 
The Bible says in 2.18, Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a little boy. And he wore the priestly garb, the linen ephod. That's just, he's going through the motions. He's dressing like a preacher, you know. And his mother, she would even, she would even make clothing, priestly clothing for the boy. He's learning godly practices. You know, you don't just wake up and know how to minister, do you, Pastor Dave? Maybe some of it is instinct that God puts in a minister. Maybe some of it is spontaneous by the Holy Spirit and He shows you. But the majority for me is learned. Learning that right way to minister. And watching. So that was the, that was the advantage of Samuel being in this right atmosphere, this right environment, he was receiving the right education. He was hearing it and seeing it every day. Part of Samuel's right education didn't just come from hearing the right things. It also came from observing the wrong things. How many believe that the wrong things can be a great teacher for us? Come on, you don't have to experience everything just to say, well, you know, that's how, I, that's how you learn, so that's how I'm going to learn. No, I believe that we can watch from somebody else's mistakes and actually take a different route and a different road and not have to hurt like they did to learn the lesson that they did. Samuel's watching Eli and the other priests do the right things and receiving this right education, but over here he's watching some knuckleheads do the wrong thing. Y'all heard of Phineas and Ferb? Well, there's... Hophni and Phinehas. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are knuckleheads. Now, they were raised in the right environment and they received the right education, but that does not guarantee you're going to do the right things. They were sinful. They were actually, they're Eli's sons, the priest Eli, and they're supposed to be in line to take his place. But God says, I'm not going to have any of that. You see, these guys would rob God. They robbed God by taking the meat. The people would bring a sacrifice. They would bring a goat. They would bring a bull. They would bring ox. They would bring the sacrifice. And it was supposed to be then sacrifice to God. And they were kind of management. So precious, you come to the door of the church and you say, well, I'm ready to sacrifice. And you bring it to me, the priest. And instead of me taking it and putting it on the altar and, and sacrificing this for the atonement of your sins, and then once it's sacrificed, they could actually have a portion of it. That was the law. What they would do is take it and say, well, it's mine. And not give you the opportunity to sacrifice that before God. I don't recommend you, you doing this, folks. But yet so many of us really do something very similar. We take what is God's and we pay our light bill with it or any other bill with it or we do something else with it. The tithe belongs to God. It is a sacrifice unto God and we trust God with it. Hophni and Phinehas would rob God by taking the meat that was to be sacrificed before it was actually offered. And they also had sex with women at the door of the tabernacle. Chapter 2 and verse 22. You can read that later for yourself. 
So here's Samuel taking it all in, the good and the bad. We've got Creighton Coleman with us as an intern. I, I trust that you get to know him. His internship is going to be coming to an end at the end of July. But what a great, great guy. He really is an amazing guy. Um, I would bring him up and introduce him to you, but I've got him doing an intern thing right now. <laughs> He's picking up my kids from PK camp because I had to be preaching and Karen had to be here for the service. So we sent him as an intern, gave him one of those intern jobs, but not really. He was happy to do it. But anything we, we ask him to do, Pastor Dave, it seems that he does it and he does it well. And um, I told him, I said, Creighton, I want you to learn all the good that you can. And I believe there's a lot of good here, you know, to be learned. But I said, watch for things that maybe you don't want to do when you get in ministry too. Because that'll be a valuable lesson as well. Because I'm still a work in progress. This church is a work in progress. And so some of the most valuable lessons I've ever learned was what not to do as well as what to do. Here's Samuel on a path to success, starting at the right environment, stepping to the right education, and it propelled him to this next step, right endeavors. Because of this right environment, because of the right education, Samuel began to do some right things. This speaks to the power of one prophet, just one prophet, Samuel. Because of these first two steps, Samuel had ears to hear God's voice. God began to work on Samuel even as a boy, even though he didn't understand it. I, I encouraged the teachers in the first service, let me do it again. Teachers, you don't know who God is bringing into your classroom this year. Maybe you know some of them. But you definitely don't know all of the background, do you? And I would dare say that the majority that land in your classroom don't have an ideal home life. Maybe some do. But many of them are coming from dysfunction. And they come into a classroom where you have the opportunity to let God use your words and your arms and your hands. And God begins to, to manipulate, if you will, and, and, and alter their, their hearing. They start hearing about Jesus. They don't know who He is. And He starts speaking to them through His Word, through you. And they're saying, here I am. I don't know what God is trying to say. I want you to understand what God is doing here. He's preparing them to do some right things down the road. And you get to be a part of it. Turning their ears to hear, and then it goes into their heart. Samuel not only had ears to hear God's voice, he had a heart to receive God's word. Eli said, if, if you hear this voice again, just say, it's because I'm, I'm listening. I'm willing. It, his ears to hear led to a heart willing to hear his, his word and to do his word. This willingness just led to a life that was willing to obey. Samuel was willing to obey God's instruction. 
And the endeavors of Samuel were amazing. Even as a little boy, Samuel began to prophesy. This was one of his endeavors, prophecy. He's known as a great prophet. But look at Samuel's very first prophecy. I mean, it's a doozy. God begins to show him something that he's going to do to Eli and to Eli's house. You look at that later. God shows Samuel the destruction that is coming for Eli because of Phineas and Ferb or Hophni and Phineas. Right? Here's the key. God had already told Eli that this was coming, didn't he? God had already said to Eli, because of your sons and their knuckleheadedness, <laughs> they don't get to take your place. And in fact, they're going to die. So he prophesied, the very first prophecy, it was to his mentor, his friend, the priest, Eli, and it was harsh. It was against Eli. Verse 13 of chapter 3, bring that up for us. I've told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and Eli did nothing to restrain them. Judgment came. This was simply a confirmation of what God had already told Eli. Samuel was afraid to tell him. Why wouldn't he be? He's just a boy. But God gave him courage that day to prophesy, and he endeavored to do the right thing. He prophesied that day, and he went on to continue to prophesy. This leads me to this last point. It is the right establishing. This verse really spoke to me. It's chapter 3 and verse number 20. All of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. This speaks to the power of one's potential. The potential lying within a little boy who knew. Eli could not have known without insight from God what all God would do through this, this little boy as he grew to be a man of God. God put his stamp of approval on Samuel as a prophet. It wasn't an isolated prophesying. He became known as a prophet of God, the mouthpiece and spokesperson for God. He gained a reputation. It excites me, Karen, to think about these kids that are coming. Lisa and Mike, Jackie, Carol, Susan, Anya, Sonny, did I miss anybody? Jamie, wherever you are. You, you should wake up so ready to get out of bed and get to school. Because what if it's just one? Just one out of all the kids that you teach that God hand selects to raise up and use to change the world. And you better think it could happen because it can. And you get to be a part of that. Unbelievable. 
starts at a right environment. It leads to a right education. I love our teachers. I think they give the highest standard of, of education you could possibly want. I stand by it. The proof is in the, the results in, the, in these testing. That's undisputable. But above that and beyond that, they love Jesus and they love kids. And that is a powerful combination. That right education leading to right endeavors from these kids, these students doing the right thing. And God may just establish them one day to change their world. Will you help us? Many of you have partnered with us for four years running and you were eager to receive one of, one of the pledge cards. The te- teachers are going to pass these out. It just says, yes. You might just circle that yes. Underline that yes. Yes. I have confidence in the ministry of La Palma Christian School and I want to be a part of the Power of One Scholarship. I understand that this commitment is a covenant between God and me. I'm committing my assistance to this program and then there are several options, $40 a month up to $100 a month and some had to do other because you wanted to take and scholarship a student in its entirety. Karen, come and talk to me about the breakdown of scholarships, if you don't mind. Did everybody get this pledge form? It's quite simple. They fill an application, their requirements, grades, behavior, all that sort of thing. I sit down with the school board. We look at it. Um, Any amount, the highest amount that a student can receive is 50%. Our tuition this year is $4,120 for 10 months. So a 50% scholarship would be $2,060, which is a pledge of 206 a month. And uh, that would be, there are students in the 12 that receive uh, 50%. Um, and uh, it's, even at that, it, it's such a great help. And... Uh, Steve and I sponsor, but I want to let you know also that um, the school is responsible. I know that you will be sewing into the school, but I want to let you know that um, the school also um, sows seed. And we, this last year, um, sponsored two children from Mission to Mercy. And so we are taking what we receive and we're sowing seed in students in foreign lands so that they will be able to receive an education also. This is a 10-month uh, commitment. Our school runs for 10 months, and so uh, that's, that's kind of how the breakdown works. And Karen will communicate with you on a monthly basis if you decide to help us monthly. Um, we are going to take an offering today, and so if you say, well, I really can't help monthly, but I sure do want to put some seed in the ground, uh, today is your opportunity to do that. Also, you'll be happy to know that if you forgot your checkbook, and you don't have any cash on you, we could actually ching your credit card today. It's really amazing. Um, There is a great opportunity for you to sign up today. 
and put that on your credit card or on a debit card. And um, who's helping us with that today? Is Anna here? Anna, are you, you got the iPad today? Anna will help you with that. Um, and and uh, it's really a blessing. Um, this is how we give. Karen and I give this way electronically. Um, also, while I'm talking about this, it isn't just for uh, La Palma Christian School and the scholarship of one. Um, you can also give uh, your, your tithe and any gifts that you want. You can do that electronically as well, and Anna can help you with that. Amen. You can do it online. That's right. You don't have to do it on site. You can also go to our website, and you will be prompted how you can do online giving as well. We're trying to step into the new future that's not so new anymore, but new for us. So uh, praise God. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. And before you fill this out, I want the Holy Spirit to show you. I want him to show you two things. First of all, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would show you children with great, great potential. Not in the Dominican Republic necessarily, not in Madagascar or Nicaragua. They're right here in the greater La Palma area. They're right here, full of potential. And you can be a part of pouring into them and planting into them. Holy Spirit, show us that. And secondly, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show us our part. For several in this room, it will be a full scholarship 50% helping these children come. For others, it will be a portion of that over 10 months. Show us, Holy Spirit, and help us, God, to be the power of one so that these children can be the power of one. Now take a moment and fill out this card as the Holy Spirit has prompted you to do so. Ushers are coming. Our teachers are, you're the ushers, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Jackie, come and take this microphone and just pray God's blessing on our school. Pray God's blessing over these congregants that are helping us. Lord God, we thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, that you have given this church to be able to be a blessing to these children, God. Help us, Lord, right now to just open our hearts and open our minds and just be willing, God, to be used by you, Lord, to be of, of, of use, Lord, to help these kids. Lord, only you know the potential that is in each and every one of them, God. And I just pray that you will give everyone, Lord, an opportunity to share in this, Lord. And I just pray that you will bless everyone who gives, God. We just glorify you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, teachers. You can collect these pledge forms and also the offering that many are going to give to right now. Amen. I want to just alert you. Um, tomorrow starts youth camp. Pastor Dave, how many are you taking? 
22, my goodness. 22 of our students are going to youth camp starting tomorrow. I, I'm, I'm telling you this just so that you can be prompted to pray over them. Youth camp is an amazing week of God speaking to their lives and transforming their lives. So put that on the top of the prayer list on this week, our youth camp. And also, I want to invite all who have signed up to go to the Dominican Republic with me or those who have not signed up, but you would like a little bit of information. This will tell you what the budget is. This will tell you what the schedule is. Meet me in the friendship room in about 10 minutes. Everyone standing? We dismiss you now in the name of the Lord. Go with God. Be blessed and be a blessing. Amen.